welcome to another episode of Not D&D, brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, but much more excitingly, today I have Ken here with me. Ken, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, for people that aren't familiar uh, with you and uh, what you do in the games industry, could you give us a little uh, introduction? Sure. So my name is Ken Lowry. I've been self-publishing uh, RPG stuff for about a year and a half now, since about February of last year. Uh, I've really just started, I began with like tables and supplements and adventures that have really started self-publishing full-blown games uh, just this past year. Amazing. Uh, so it sounds like we already have um, some fans here oh, uh, in the comments <laughs> popping up. Uh, some people that beta tested this game are really excited to share it and hear more about it, which is fantastic. Uh, some other people who already have the games and really enjoys it. So thanks very much for joining us. If you do have any questions for Ken uh, anytime throughout the stream, just pop them in the comments. I'll pop them up on the screen and we can answer them for you. And if you're listening to the podcast, well, maybe catch it live next time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so uh, Ken, before we uh, get into talking about the game we're here to talk about today, Killer Ratings, which everyone in the comments is already raving about. Uh, First of all, I wanted to, um, as I do with all our guests, ask uh, a little bit about your background with RPGs and um, kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, So what was your first experience uh, with role-playing games? First experience with role-playing games was probably a game called uh, Heroes Unlimited, which is um, mm-hmm. 30 years ago now, uh, a while <laughs> ago, so early 90s. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever actually played, uh, but it was, if I recall, and I, I haven't opened the book in 20 years, so forgive me someone if I get the details wrong, it was like a point-buying system, so you could super, super, super mm-hmm. customize your superhero character. So I think nice. junior high study hall was mostly me filling notebooks with characters I was designing and never played. Um, which is oh, okay. pretty familiar to a lot of uh, role-playing gamers, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that was the one that kind of like really grabbed me the idea of being able to to use these tools uh, just to make anything I wanted, basically. Uh, yeah, that was my that was my first real love in role-playing games. And when did you first get to actually like play games? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what were you, what were the first kind of games that you played? Um, and not so just the, created characters and wrote down the rules. <laughs> right. uh, first one was probably, uh, it's. I'm not exactly sure. It was either Battletech, which is sort of a miniatures war game, sort of role-playing game, so that might be cheating. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one probably was about 14 years old was, was D&D, was AD&D 2nd Edition, I think Classic. was what was, what was the, the new hotness at that time. Yeah, I was kind mm-hmm. of 14. I had friends who were like 15, 16. So I mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is cool. I'll go do whatever the hell this is uh, with them. And um uh-huh. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, I, I remember being very intimidated the first time around. There's all these mm. rules. Everyone knows everything. I'm a year younger than everyone else here. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> yeah, I took to it really well. Uh, and that that kind of, you know, I enjoyed it. D&D is the thing you play because other people know it. But that got me down the road to like World of Darkness and all these other games I really, really got into. Awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people do start with D&D just because it's, it's very popular and it's what's known. Mm-hmm. And that's where you kind of get your way in and find the, you know, tabletop RPG wider community. And then... There's this whole mess of other stuff that you find here, and and that leads us to where we are today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you, um, you started playing games when you were quite young, obviously. Uh, when did you start? I was going to say when did you start making and writing games, but it sounds like from your first experience, you were kind of writing ideas and things down with that. So when did that start for you? Yeah, I, I, I've always been poking at them, and, and of course, everyone homebrews and customizes a little bit. I think the first mm-hmm. uh, uh, attempt really was about 20 years ago now. Um, so early 2000s, a friend and I, uh, we basically worked together. He had worked up a, a setting which was very much uh, uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower series, the role-playing game. So it was kind of fantasy, mm-hmm. kind of Western, um, kind of sci-fi, kind of had a lot of those things, and we worked up a system to go with that. And it was very like, it is clear I had just spent five years reading White Wolf games because it was all D10s and mm-hmm. it was all add two stats together, rolled you know roll that many. It was very much like that. Um, yeah. but that was my first time kind of trying to get under the hood and seeing what made the game work and how like the choices and rules can like really show you what's important about the game, whether it's combat heavy or social heavy or or mm-hmm. uh, shared narrative or or whatever. Um, that was the first time, and I kind of just stopped for fifteen years. I really couldn't tell you why. Um, mm-hmm. I did fall out of the hobby for a little bit. I used to have like two yeah. full bookcases full of books. I eventually got rid of most of them. Um, but yeah, I think in the past five, six years, I really kind of like just felt the urge again uh, yeah. in a major way and, and really started kind of making plans, flirting with it, being around mm-hmm. the bush about it a few years ago. And really in the past couple of years, I was like, okay, what am I waiting for exactly? Um, no one's going to give me the green light. Just got to go ahead and start. 
Definitely. Yes. It, I mean, looking behind you, it looks like that book collection has grown back again over the last five years. Sure. <laughs> Just a little bit there. Um, but I mean, being you writing RPGs does make a lot of sense because um, before the interview, I had a look back at your kind of your career and other things you do. And you've done a lot of stuff in writing, not just um, tabletop RPGs. Uh, so I've, I could see on that list, like movie critic, mm -hmm. uh, written fiction, newspapers, there's marketing things, uh, mm -hmm. billboards, retail, comic books. <laughs> discuss, like, <laughs> how, oh, yeah. discuss, yeah. <laughs> so my original path that I thought I was going to go in my 20s was journalism. Um, so that's okay. what I studied for. And that's what I got into and for a little bit for like a for a hot minute there. I was a copy editor, small paper, long gone now. Um, but that was also was editorial writing, headline writing, um, that kind of thing. And that was mid to late, my, my mid to late twenties. Um, mm -hmm. and I was, uh, also a movie critic at that time too, as working freelance for, for a pop culture website. Also Amazing. long since gone. If you're a freelance writer, please archive everything you write. Uh, cause those sites <laughs> will just disappear overnight on you. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I've always, it, I don't know. Uh, People talk about writing in different ways. For me, it's a compulsion. I just have to be doing something. Um, mm -hmm. So whether it's my actual day job, and I've been lucky enough where it has been for about the past 10 years now, uh, mm -hmm. or not, then it's nights and weekends. I just have to put something down, put it out there into the world. Um, yeah. In terms of like concerted efforts outside of my day job stuff, and day job, I've been journalist, and I'm currently in advertising. I'm a creative director now, but I was a copywriter for, for 10 years of that. Um, and that was billboards, TV commercials, radio spots, social media, you know, kind of you name it. Um, writing on that discipline, especially, or do a little bit of everything. Uh, but on the mm -hmm. side, for about eight years, I was writing and self-publishing comic books. Uh, and honestly, that's yeah. still my first kind of creative love. Um, mm. I've, I've done other things. I, I did um, a web series for a little while, years and years ago, wrote that and, and produced that. Uh, I had, for a while there, based out of the copy editing thing, some friends and I had a, a spoof Twitter account called Fake AP Stylebook, which was the spoofing the stylebook that a lot of journalists use, the Associated Press Stylebook. And that was uh, 2008, 2009, 2009, yeah. And that blew up. It went viral, as they say. Uh, we did the book deal. We did the interviews yeah. with all the national, like it was a whole thing. And this is, this tattoo is the Interabang avatar we used oh, for, wow. the, uh, for the Twitter account. Um, and that kind of steered me into kind of helped me step up my game in terms of, okay, what am I writing being very deliberate planning? Because that was yeah. me. And that was like 11 of my friends working on a project together. Uh, and it mm -hmm. was down to me and another guy named Mark Hale to really like get it across the finish line, hit these deadlines. we got publishers mm -hmm. with marketing budgets waiting on us. Um, yeah. so that really like trained me. Um, and then jumped into comic books, something I wanted to do for ages. Um, yeah, I still published for a good eight years or so, probably 10, 15 stories overall, mostly one shots, trying different art styles try, or trying different genres, I should say, um, mm -hmm. trying different angles, being anthologies, uh, things like that. And it just kind of never got anywhere. Um, so when I, I changed to the job, the day job that I have right now, which is fairly demanding, I just said, OK, I'm taking a clean break. Um, that lasted about a year until early last year. I was like, no, nope, I need to start writing again. <laughs> uh, so I. I this uh, role-playing games is something I had been poking at since I was like 11, 12 years old. And I, I did. I hit that moment, like, what the hell am I waiting for? Just get started. You've got a yeah. backlog of ideas. No one is going to tell you to start. I've known, you know, I've experienced this many times. Just go. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I kind of made a go of it. And I feel like little pieces of, you know, lessons, whatever I picked up in all those different things and movie critic and journalism and advertising and comic books and all that. I learned little pieces of stuff all along the way that that helped me here. At least I, I hope so. Definitely. And we have someone asking about uh, Night Driver. They said, when's the next <laughs> issue of Night Driver coming out? Oh, no. Well, you're so funny. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, no. Night, yeah, no. Night Driver is a, is a comic I wrote that is very, it was the Telltale Heart, basically, the Edgar Allan Poe story. But the idea oh, yeah. is a guy has killed his coworker, stuffed him in the trunk of his car, and is driving down the highway, and he thinks he hears someone in the trunk of his car, like, moving. And yeah. it has a very definitive end. But yes. nonetheless, the very first comment I got about it, I was like, cool, when, when can we expect the second issue? And I feel like, I feel like we told the story. I think it's uh, done. <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, done. I think we, that one, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank yeah. you. Very funny. All right, fair enough. I think there's another in-joke here that I, I am going to reference as well. Uh, somebody said that they're here for the man who thinks about death the normal amount. That's me. Um, would you would you care to, would you care to <laughs> include us all on this in-joke? Uh, sure. Yes. So I don't look like it. I've never looked the part of a goth or whatever. Um, but yeah, I have realized the two standalone games I published have both been about ghosts. 
Um, everything I do okay. is, has some tinge of horror, even if it's like comedy or something like that. There's generally some level of, I don't know, that's been, that's been my thing since ever. Um, half this <laughs> bookshelf here is, is horror books. So yeah, just, you know, think about that the normal amount. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. No, it's just kind of, it's, and, and with killer ratings and with the, another one, Lighthouse of the End of the World, I really just kind of lean into it and try to come at it from different angles, different genres, different tones. This is fun. This is a little more thoughtful, whatever. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of where that comes from. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense based on the, the game we're going to talk about and the, 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 the comic we just talked about as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I'm going to dive us into uh, a little bit into, uh, into what we're here to talk about, which is killer ratings. Uh, so I have uh, the, the cover image here and i believe you have a copy in your very hands uh right now as well sure uh, so everyone have a look Ooh. um so <laughs> tell us about killer ratings if you were going to give um like a little elevator pitch or describe it to somebody how how would you do that so it's a, it's, as it's as the cover says it's a one-shot zero prep role-playing game where you play reality tv ghost hunters uh encountering a very real and very homicidal ghost um yeah Amazing. i think that'll, I think that'll do it yeah Great. Uh, I love the fact that it's one shot and zero prep because I think sometimes uh, people are a bit intimidated to pick something up and give it a try because they're like, ah, I don't want to learn a new system. I I know I'm used to playing this and I don't want to move to another one. So mm -hmm. it's really great to hear that there's something like that. So going into a little bit more detail about the game. Um, so the setting, you were saying you are kind of paranormal investigators. Do mm -hmm. they... Do they believe ghosts are real or are they like what I imagine a lot of paranormal TV shows are like where they're like, sure, there's a ghost here. I'll just and then like, what's the what's the vibe with the game? So the vibe for the game is it's very much yeah. um, it, it, it's uh, kind of like glib cynicism is the tone that I'm going for with it. So mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of up to you as as players, whether the individual characters believe in ghosts going in ahead of time. Typically, mm -hmm. the answer is no uh, or yes, but who cares? You know, or are they going to cut in my my angle when I'm on camera? My cat is running around on my table, little kitty cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, it, it's kind of the idea is meant to be you're here. It's the uh, the last episode of the season. You're on the verge of cancellation. You need something big to happen for your show. Uh, stuff mm -hmm. starts to happen. Uh, it, it, again, it's kind of up to each table how that plays out. Um, mm -hmm. But generally, it's supposed to be a surprise. Like, oh, whoa, we're onto something here. Um, and But naturally, you're on the verge of cancellation. Some of you are yearning for stardom. So you just yeah. push and push and push. Um, to get the biggest possible reaction, uh, the biggest possible event live on camera, just mm -hmm. so you can be, you know, in frame when it happens. Amazing. And uh, so I was going to ask about, you kind of already answered this. I was going to ask, like, where did the idea for this come from? And you've kind of said just because, of course, you think about death a normal amount. And so that's kind of where it came from. But if we could elaborate on that a little bit more, sure. like where did, where was the inspiration for, for writing this game? Yeah, uh, kind of two fronts, really. Um, so in terms of like the type of game it is and the system, like the one shot, the the simplicity of it was mm -hmm. very much, um, it, it's between, uh, I guess really it's uh, Grant Howitt's kind of one page RPGs. Honey Heist yeah. is the one everyone knows, but there were a few of those he did like that. Yeah. Uh, and then he did Goblin Quest as well, which a friend of mine worked on it with named John Morris did a lot of the art, uh, which is how I first kind of clued into it. And I very much liked that it was, it was that glib characters are going to die, but that's part of the fun. Um, mm -hmm. you, you do these kind of big broad strokes characters that are really fun to play. Um, and you're invested enough. You want to see what happens next, but not enough that you're sad when they die. Um, so like there's, so there's that piece of it, which is sort of <laughs> okay. the, yeah, the mechanical turn of it uh, and the tone of it. Uh, but the other one is honestly, I did spend years watching. I think it's, uh, I would get the names mixed up ghost adventures, uh, which is yeah. the one that has uh, Zach. What's his face. And who's just like a Jersey bro. Um, <laughs> and he, and he always like, you know, his whole thing was he'd go into places and he'd like yell at the ghost and like, tell him to come out so he could fight them and, and all that. And like, he has the cameraman <laughs> who's like super incredulous is moving the camera around really fast. Like they're, yeah. they're ridiculous and very much like there's the history of the place. And it's cool to see the, yo know, the interior of an asylum, it's cool and spooky, but like to watch them be ridiculous in these settings. Um, yeah. and, and it was kind of a, an ongoing joke between me and some, some Twitter pals, Jason, Jeff and them um, to, to like, ah, what's our dream show that we could be on? What could we get the discovery channel to pay us to do? Um, mm -hmm. and just, we would just run long, like, oh, we should investigate beach resorts, you know, like whatever, you know, like whatever <laughs> silly, ridiculous, uh, thing. And it, and it just kind of yeah. came from there. Those two thoughts just collided the, like this really fun, glib, quick, easy to get funny game. Uh, and this like ridiculous scenario where you, the entertainment is what's happening, but it also how you react to what's happening. It's so much about going big basically, uh, as a character. Okay. So I, 
yeah, that makes sense for the inspiration for it. I love those kind of shows. We have them in the UK as well. And it always reminds me of, you know, you get kids at a sleepover trying to do something scary and they just end up like freaking themselves out and running around. <laughs> those shows just look like that. It's constantly people like, is there something here? Oh my gosh, something touched my arm. And then everyone goes, oh my God, and runs out. And it's just, yeah. I love that drama. So I can picture this uh, being super fun to play in that sense. Um, I imagine with playtesting this, how long was kind of playtesting? Um, how long did that kind of kind of take to... Uh, right a while honestly uh, on and off a couple of years um mm -hmm. mostly the mechanics are very simple there's two stats dice rolls all kind of work the same way like it's mm -hmm. not a complicated game yeah. um, honestly there it, it has kind of a structure first act second act third act finale um mm -hmm. getting that finale when the game kind of turns and the ghost finally manifests and it's time to, to flee um, yeah. throwing each other under the bus and all that good stuff um, it's very, uh, <laughs> the struggle I had was either the game was too safe or too lethal. Um, like right. everyone would survive or everyone would die one or two rooms into either escaping. extreme. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, like I, I, my sweet spot and it kind of, you need to fine tune it for every group and the play style mm -hmm. and all that. But generally speaking, if there are four players plus the person running the game, you want like one or maybe two people to survive. Like to me, that's the sweet spot. Um, that allows some level of betrayal, some level of, oh, oh no, or laughing at how someone expires. Um, mm -hmm. and, but I don't want everyone to check out because you want someone at the end who gives the final in memoriam of the crewmates who just died um, to, <laughs> like, wrap up, to wrap up the game at the end, basically, what did we all learn today um, kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah, really, that was that was the part, that was the trick. Um, the first real big play test mm -hmm. I did with uh, a couple friends and, and my wife um, I didn't have a third act and I was like, okay, I, I, and I warned them at a time, this game is just going to stop and we're going to talk about where we think it should go. Okay, um, yeah. And that was really the first, like, you know, I was thinking this and we, we played the game for an hour, hour and a half, had a great time, hit that kind of dead halt. And then mm -hmm. they all kind of ran off like, well, here's where I thought it was going. Here's what felt right to me. And mm -hmm. we spent another hour and a half just talking about ways that might go. Yeah. Um, and as you know, and I, I, that, that was the way a lot of the early play testing went. And, and once we, once I hit kind of a ratio of, of rooms to dice to, to what to player count, et cetera, that seemed right, at least for the people I played with, uh, it was really just very fine tuning after that point. Um, mm -hmm. And making sure that people felt with a game like this, it's so reliant on being loud as a player on being kind of tacky and big and larger than life and very reality TV star, getting people warmed up in the first couple um, mm -hmm. you know, rooms that you explore. Um, after that, it, it really just gets on rails and, practically plays itself okay and with the you briefly talked about the um the kind of structure and the mechanics of the game because you, you mentioned like different phases and and things like that can you talk about how the game's structured so if we we talk about the mechanics a little bit uh now sure. yeah there's there's only two stats you got to keep track of uh you have points that you spend between them i think five points um between survive and provoke and okay. the way these and this is this is going back to when i first started trying to work on a game 20 years ago i like stats that represent like diametric opposing forces within a character um so your survive mm -hmm. as a reality star is your ability to be level-headed to think clearly uh, mm -hmm. and and when and to act mm -hmm. rationally and not dramatically to actually make the best choices uh, mm -hmm. which affects your ability later on to survive when the ghost starts chasing everyone and taking swings at you um okay. the other one is is provoke and provoke is the one that like that's what people turn into reality tv shows for um mm -hmm. they want to see people being loud they want to pe see people being antagonistic uh melodramatic making mountains out of molehills um if if survive is your level-headedness provoke is your ability to uh, just kind of go nuts. Uh, and and those yeah. things are, you, you have to spend your points between them. So one's going to be higher than the other. Most likely you have to make some choices about what's more important to your character uh, and to what degree. It could be a pretty even split, mm -hmm. like a three, two, uh, or it could be yeah. much more dramatic, like a four, one. If you're a four provoke and a one survive, you are super entertaining to watch, but also a huge pain in the neck. Um, <laughs> or just, just, just big, just very large, uh, you know, just mm -hmm. very big presence uh, on camera. Um, and those are really the things you, use those stats and what you do uh, as your, uh, oh, sorry. So stepping back, um, when you're playing the game, basically what you're doing is you as a group are building the location together. Um, there's a couple tables up front that help you generate where's the haunting, what is the supposed cause of the haunting, uh, other little details like that, mm -hmm. uh, at which point um, you go room by room and you start going around the table, identifying features in the room, talking to the camera, uh, mm -hmm. infighting with each other, doing reality TV star stuff. And as you get wilder and more provocative and you're making dice rolls against your stat to see just mm -hmm. how like 
uh, let's say supernaturally significant the things you're doing are, how much they're stirring the dead, um, it starts to generate effects in the rooms you're going to. The walls start bleeding or the eyes on a mm -hmm. painting start falling. You, whatever it is feels right in the moment for the setting. Uh -huh. um, and you kind of hit these thresholds once you hit certain numbers of rolls where the stakes start to elevate and the level of haunting. Mm -hmm. um, and by that point, there's two things going on. One, you're kind of mapping out um, the, the floor plan piece by piece, mm -hmm. laying down an index card for each room. Here's what's in this room, next room, here's what's in this room. Uh, you're also together kind of building the story of what the ghost is. Uh, you've yeah. got, you know, your fake psychic who's pulling, you know, making stuff up about the, about the ghost or picking up yeah. authentic vibes, or you've got the ex-police detective who mm -hmm. like knows something about the murders that happened here and he's relating information. The host is trying to yell at the ghost to provoke it to fight and he's adding details. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the magic of it is that the story of the ghost and the place starts to emerge naturally um, mm -hmm. as you're all going. And and so by the time you get to the final thing, which is you find a final room, you figure out some kind of ultimate summoning ceremony to bring the ghost onto camera, your big finale or whatever, um, you have a pretty clear idea of what this ghost is, uh, why this place is haunted, like and the history of it, like what actually happened here. Uh, yeah. at, at which point the ghost will arrive, turn on you and start chasing you back through all the rooms you just created together. Um, and mm -hmm. then it goes very, it's a very, the game does this and then it just takes off right when it gets to that point uh, and hits um, kind of that high action, oh my God, we got to get out of here, we're about to die, like moment basically. And I mean, yeah, it sounds like a great time. I'm just picturing some certain moments. Um, mm. If we could talk about some of the characters and how character creation is, because obviously you said it's like a, a zero prep, you just come down and play. Um, mm -hmm. So obviously I assume character creation is something you do when you sit down at the table as part yeah. of it. And like you say, it's, it's not a lot of stats, it's not very complicated. Are there, is there any kind of guidance on archetypes or or things like that in the book? Mm -hmm. or? Yeah, it's, it's truly, um, I want people to pick up their favorite tropes from these kinds of shows. Uh, and run with it, but I do supply like five archetypes and then some examples of how those might play out. Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's the face who's kind of the main host person. Uh, mm -hmm. The face is Buddy, who's very much like the hanger on entourage dude, who's kind of worthless, but he's the face's best friend from back in the mm -hmm. day, so he's there. Uh, yeah. There's the cameraman who, at least in the way that we've, in the games that I've played, the, the camera person tends to be a lot more um, sane. Not always, but sometimes they tend to be <laughs> a little more like they're the director who's the GM. They're like their person in the in the building trying yeah. to keep things moving, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a couple other classic archetypes. There's sort of the academic, um, which could be like the professor from the university or the, the ex-cop who knows about the crimes that happened here or mm -hmm. someone who knows something, uh, whether or not that's total BS. They're the, they're the ones who are bringing who are brought onto the show to like bring credibility to the investigation. Uh, and mm -hmm. then there's the charlatan archetype, which is most classically like the psychic, basically, you know, I'm picking yeah. up strange signal, you know, vibes in this room, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, and there's a lot of ways that can go, but yeah, the classic is like the, the, the crystals, the tarot cards, the whatever, and they're just sort of making it up as yeah. they go. And then I have kind of ways that breaks down by stat. And again, it's just the two survive and provoke uh, and mm -hmm. kind of different ways to, to play it. Um, even within those very simplistic uh, archetypes uh, in the play playgroups, there's been a lot of diversity in how they actually play out. Uh, with that diversity in the different groups, can, do you have any good stories or any particular favorite ways some people played some of those um, kind of archetypal characters? Yeah, um, I've, I've mentioned the ex-cop because that was a, a playtester, Jeff. Uh, that was his swerve on the academic, which I honestly had not considered to that point and thought it was really smart. Yeah, um, that he very he very much played this like gruff you know, uh, ex-detective with the walrus mustache who speaks, you know, in this real gruff, rough voice, uh, mm -hmm. authoritatively, authoritatively about everything. He was very brave up until the moment he was not brave anymore. Um, I thought that was really good. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a, the kind of, for me, the archetypal um, charlatan uh, is the example one in the book that Emily, who was one of the original playtesters, came up with. And she had a, a bag full of, of skulls from her pet cats who had died over the years. And she used those in the final summoning circle to like do a pentagram out of cat skulls and had names for the cat skulls. And uh, it just like, it's very, you know, like those two, <laughs> those two really jumped out at me. And, and another one, Jason playtester, he did like your very straightforward kind of academic and that he was like a university pr professor who was on the skids. Mm -hmm. um, but he was like very openly mercenary. Like, where's my check? Like, I'm just like, please don't talk to me. You know, like, <laughs> like, I, like I don't want to be here. Um, yeah, it's just very, uh, and then, uh, last one, uh, my favorite face was 
played as an ex-football star who is very clearly trying to be like Shaquille O'Neal, who does like a thousand other things now that he's not doing sports anymore. So mm -hmm. he was just he was just talked in football cliches the whole time, um, which was <laughs> super, super fun. Um, yeah, those are those are probably like of all those types. Okay, last one. Uh, my, my favorite cameraman is also the example in the book was Jordan, one of the initial playtesters, that first batch. He did an, an X, X Games, and I don't know if you're familiar with the X Games. They're like the extreme sports Olympics, like snowboarding okay. and all that. And it was it was left up to a mystery. How do you get fired from the X Games as a cameraman? Like, what do you do to get fired from that job? And he just kind of <laughs> left that a, a, a very ominous mystery. Um, but yeah, those are those are kind of my favorites. And some of those made it into the book because they felt so like, ah, yes, this person has figured out uh, a really good way to proceed. If you don't know what else to do, play this character um, and you can run. You, know? you you mentioned earlier with characters that um, obviously the game works really well if people are being quite like loud and extreme mm -hmm. and bombastic with, with some of the, the roles there. Um, mm -hmm. With new players that are kind of perhaps new to role playing, how um, do you have like kind of any guidance of how to ease them into the game? Because, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. some people feel a little bit reserved the first time they come to the table. For sure. Yeah, no. And that was definitely a, a big part of early playtesting was mm -hmm. figuring out how to get people over that hump. So mm -hmm. as part of character creation, as slim as it is, there are uh, questions for each archetype, basically, to mm -hmm. think about um, the character's background and to think about their relationship with each other, who they're friends with, who they might have a rivalry with, to start to kind of preload some drama, essentially. Um, and there's also kind of suggestions as well for the director, who's the GM, who in the fiction is the guy out in the van uh, watching mm -hmm. everything on monitors and like prodding through the earpiece for them to continue on and do stuff to give mm -hmm. the director like direction with questions and hey check this out hey do this hey go that to like kind of get people going um the uh, rather than turns or rounds the game kind of works on room by room you do a room you define yeah. its features you have some drama you move on to the next room uh and it usually takes like a couple rooms and at that point i think um everyone gets kind of loosened up and understands who the characters are and has felt out the vibe with each other, both consciously and subconsciously, how big mm -hmm. they want to go, how loud they want to go. Um, and it kind of takes off from there, basically. And with um, for the, the director as well, the, the person running the game, mm -hmm. what sort of um, advice would you give to them, you know, running killer ratings beyond obviously easing people into the game, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Through, yeah. Um, if you're if you're kind of unfamiliar with the genre, which is both the reality TV shows, but also a fair number of um, found footage horror films like Grave Encounters, a couple others like that, that are very mm -hmm. much playing in this space where it's a reality TV crew, they go to an asylum, bad stuff happens. Uh, it's probably good to watch one or two of those just to sort of get what the tropes are, get kind of how it unfolds. Yeah. It has a lot of that Blair Witch sort of escalation where it kind of goes and goes and goes and then like ramps up like crazy in that final act. Um, it very much follows that formula. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there's that. I would I would be you know kind of work out ahead of time who might be the the one piece that might be considered prep is having an idea who might be the face uh because at least in the mm -hmm. early room or two they're the ones who are probably going to end up driving the actions as the quote-unquote host of mm -hmm. the show so kind of identifying who in the group might be good who is you know has the least inhibitions or is the most experienced role-playing games to like help push it a little bit um, but honestly, yeah, it's kind of getting in their in their ear, so to speak, as the director in the earpiece, asking questions, prompting people to go and, and kind of seeing where the comfort levels are and teasing out um, typical interview thing, not relying so much on yes, no questions, but a yeah. little more open ended that allows people mm -hmm. to like contribute to the invention of the story of the place, the layout of the place gives them some ownership, basically. And then they start to get more comfortable at that point. Yes. Um well, I've got some questions here in the chat as well. Uh, someone has said that uh, their friend Jason would make an excellent host by the sound of things. So already casting in their mind uh, for this game. Uh, but someone has a question. They've asked if uh, you or anyone in your family has ever seen uh, a ghost. I don't think so. Uh, you know, maybe I haven't. I didn't realize it. Uh, despite being a <laughs> lifelong spooky, thinking about death the normal amount type person, I'm very much a... Uh, when we die, we're worm food kind of person. Uh, I just, I just, don't <laughs> like, I just, it's just, there's no, actual, nothing. Nope. There's nothing there. Um, I, I, but I understand, like I've been in spaces that I'm like spooked in for reasons that are hard to define. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I get the kind of biological argument about instincts and dark corners and, you know, all the usual, whatever. Uh, no, I don't think so. Honestly, uh, I would like to be wrong about that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I don't believe I have. It's definitely something I've always, even as a kid, I've enjoyed ghost stories as kind of a lens mm -hmm. into the cultures that produced them. Um, yeah. But um, 
No, I, I don't think so. Unfortunately, um, you know, the, the day's young. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Okay, well, mm -hmm. something to look forward to. With people that have played the game, have you had people that uh, have a similar view to you that are like, yeah, it's not real? Or have you had have you had anyone? Or I don't know if that comes up in the game. Whether people are like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, this is this is legit. I don't know if it's directly come out in game. I have I have my mm. suspicions about some of my players, um, okay. so, <laughs> whether they've like, mm, okay, there might be something here. Um, similarly, um, think about death, the normal amount inclined people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you and, hang out with, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. I, I I don't know if it goes there totally when we play the games. It's it's there is the, the ghost always emerges. The chase always happens. Like the structure of it is always the same, but so much of it is about the interaction between very mundane people. Uh, with mm -hmm. each other like i feel like that's the the real impetus of it like it's it's cool to essentially ascend or, or invent a ghost story together um but i feel like the vibe is very much like ah it's a story we're having fun um mm -hmm. yeah no i don't know although if my players are out there please let me know i'd be very interested to hear that <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned as well which i thought was interesting because you you talked about uh interesting how different cultures have slightly different ghost stories mm -hmm. which is very true so this one does feel like um an American kind of uh, kind of ghost story type thing. Have you had people from different places um, kind of play that and feedback on it, or did uh, everyone that, lean into the American tropes of it? Uh, in my playtest, it's been American audiences, just the people mm -hmm. I know. I know, and I did I yeah. did an Indiegogo for this at the start of the year, February mm -hmm. uh, thereabouts, um, and it did have like an international audience. And I'm starting to get back feedback from people who uh -huh. played together. Um, but yeah, I, I I I'm very curious about that as well because I definitely almost intentionally leaned into what would be American. It's the asylum, mm -hmm. it's the hospital, it's the cruise ship, it's the, you know, it's it's um, our collective national guilt stuff. Um, <laughs> like, like the, like I, know, I know asylum yep. in particular in the UK, definitely a thing. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I'm curious about that. Um, no, my, my audiences have been pretty America centric, but that's, mm -hmm. that's one of those, like I say, literally just in the past couple of days, I've started to get people come back to me with, oh, I ran a group and we did this. I ran a group and we did that. Someone mm -hmm. told me yesterday, uh, the other day, I recommend three to five players plus the director. And they told me they played with nine people um, oh, wow. and said it was awesome. And like, I, I desperately need details about that. Um, yeah. because that sounds like so much, but, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty excited but, to to hear about that. But maybe they they liked a lot as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it would be interesting because I, I assume the rule the rules the way they're written you can you can set it anywhere. So if you wanted mm -hmm. it to be like in a in a British castle or something like that, and that would mm -hmm. have perhaps very different vibes from something like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and someone said they do have we do have most haunted in the UK, which <laughs> is is the one I was talking about earlier as well. Um, but yeah, so that goes in there. Um, that's, that's streaming. I, I've, I'm a little out of the loop lately. Honestly, I started thinking about this game years ago, and I, I honestly oh, yeah? haven't watched any reality TV ghost, ghost hunting in a bit. So I need to, I need to re up on that. Yeah. Well, like you said, it has been doing years. So it came to Indiegogo. Did you say earlier this year? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it, so, it, and, but you mentioned like it's been years you've been working on this. So what? How long is the development process for a game like this? Uh, this one started with, um, it was very much again, kind of the Grant Howitt kind of one page RPGs and then a little bit of Goblin quests as well. Mm -hmm. Um, as everyone does a, a lot of his games, the tables are so fun and so funny, uh, the combinations that you can get. So the very first iteration of this are the tables that are right up front, the ones mm -hmm. that help you determine the show name and like location and the, the nature of yeah. the haunting and those kinds of things. That was the first thing. And I wrote that stuff five years ago. Um, oh, wow. And that was, yeah, and I really just kind of sat on it forever and play tested here and there, but never really approached it in an organized fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and once I got the bug, I, you know, I mentioned earlier, I kind of hit that point where it was, what am I mm -hmm. waiting for? Get on with things. Um, it was very much like, if I do nothing else, I will publish this thing, I will get it out of my head, and that will be the <laughs> end of it. Like, <laughs> like, I can quit RPGs tomorrow, I made this happen, it's done, it's out of my head. Um, which is very much that, you know, that writing compulsion thing. It's in there. Like I can see the shape of it. I can see how it would play. Um, but yeah, I really started in, back into it in earnest, maybe two years ago. Uh, and that was when the playtesting really began. Yeah, I'd say two years and, and a couple months now. Um, three years. No. Whew, yeah. 2020. I keep forgetting that was a year that existed. Three years. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that whole thing just disappeared. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so three years and, and change uh, uh, really started in earnest. And that's when I did that first play test with some friends where I didn't have a third act yet. Uh, and we just started talking it out. Uh, and I kind of picked at it here, or the, here and there uh, for the next couple of years. And then last uh, February was when I really got going again. And that was like, all right, mm -hmm. sit down, write this damn thing. 
Um, it, it's funny that it really only started getting in people's inboxes and, and mailboxes a couple months ago because mostly mm -hmm. it was written like a year ago. Um, yeah. Like this, and that that cover that uh, Benjamin mm -hmm. Hall did, a comic artist I've worked with uh, uh, mm -hmm. often in my old comic days, um, he finished that last September, something like that. And he'd been working on it for months in between other things he was working on. Um, so it comes, you know, it's one discrete package. You feel like, oh, okay, this will take a few months work, but honestly, years of, of yeah. thinking, noodling, putting it on the back burner, pulling it back up, new idea hits, play testing, got to rewrite the third act, like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It really took a long time for such a, uh, this is true of all writing on the surface. It's very simple, but it is, mm -hmm. it's really hard to write stuff that's simple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I think it mm -hmm. is very, and it's also very difficult to write something and make it look easy, actually, because mm -hmm. if it looks easy, it really probably wasn't. Yeah, no, um, so thinking of easy and difficult, what were the most kind of challenging uh, parts of creating this game? Um, so the, the, honestly, the easiest part and, and what, what made it the rest kind of flow downhill from there mm -hmm. was those tables helped me set a tone, like a tone of voice, um, which to me, uh, as a writer first kind of person who makes stuff, uh, mm -hmm. once I figured out the tone. Oh, internet cut out there for me. I'm not sure if that was me or Ken. Hopefully they'll jump back in a bit. Ah, uh, the issue of live. I will just turn it off and on again. Let's try see how that goes. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to listen uh, to me for a moment. So, we're talking about uh, killer ratings. If you just joined, unfortunately, we have a slight tech issue. Uh, Ken just just jumped off for a moment, um, but I'm sure we'll get them back in just a moment. Uh, but if you have any questions for Ken, uh, please feel please feel free to add them in the comments. Um, we'll get them back on. Yeah, Ken got the blue screen of death, and this is the ghosts of. I hope the ghosts have not found Ken because if that is the case, then are they on their way for me? <laughs> it's coming back for me is the next thing. Um, and someone else has commented, yeah, the stream is fine. It's just Ken occasionally becomes stuck and temporarily does not experience linear time. Oh, much like Doctor Who then. So being British, I can indeed relate to, to that uh, for certain. Uh, <laughs> Quick, what's the survival score? Uh, so if anyone uh, has been playing killer, killer Ratings already, um, what uh, if you have any stories or things to share in the chat whilst uh, we're just waiting for Ken to come back, uh, that might be uh, a good thing to kind of share about because I'd love to hear about what you've been doing playing the game if you're a fan of that there. Um, also, with the uh, game, if you're looking at this and you're interested in getting a copy for yourself, uh, you can get that at bannerlessgames.itch.io. Uh, and not only that, Ken has also arranged a discount for you uh, if you're watching this. So I'm going to put the link uh, down in the chat there. Uh, so it has the Not D&D &D, uh, link in there. We'll give you 25% off uh, this game. Uh, so if you have a look on there, that'll get 25% off and that's on there for the next two weeks. Um, so if you're interested in this game and you're getting an excellent deal, um, then they'll get that on there. And I have excellent news. The ghosts did not find Ken. Ken has returned, and I'm going to put them back on the screen now. Hello, you have returned. <laughs> sorry about that. I have not seen a blue screen in quite a while. That was a throwback. Um, yeah, no, sorry. No problem. It happens. Uh, I, I remember where I was. I can pick up if that's if that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tone of voice. Once I nailed down the tone of voice, that glib cynicism, that fun, like, oh, we're here to have a good time. We're here to kind of betray each other in a fun, laughable way and probably die. I uh, kind of figured it out from there. Um, the hardest mm -hmm. part, honestly, was that was that third act. Like I'm bluntly, I'm not a systems guy. I'm a story guy. I'm a narrative guy. Mm -hmm. um, so even that little bit of of math um, to figure out like what's about the right amount of time for the game to go on before like okay we've done this let's move on to the next part of the gameplay loop. Um, I think once I kind of cracked that flow and ran it through a couple play tests. Um, and and like, oh yeah, no, this is it. This is the game. This is what I was picturing in my head, how it should feel. Um, I feel mm -hmm. like that was the the bit. And and finally, honestly, the, the hardest part genuinely is, again, I'm a writer. I'm not a designer. I'm not an art director. I'm not an illustrator. Um, the layout, I had to teach myself how to do that. And it's definitely the first okay. thing I ever laid out. And I see a bunch of things in it now that I would change. But, um, you know, that's always the way with creative stuff. Um, yeah, so teaching myself all the other things around writing. Writing, I can do all day everything else I had to learn. Yeah, layout's a really tricky thing as well. I'm impressed that mm -hmm. 
that that you, you picked that up to do that because that's quite quite tricky with the layout style obviously the cover looks quite um kind of comic book and things like that did you go for that internally as well as it got those sorts of themes yeah it's it, it was kind of a convergence of experience and i thought it was right for the game one i've published self-published a lot of comic books i know how to work with those printers like i know how to make a comic book mm-hmm. um <laughs> thank you ghostly boogaloo nice um <laughs> But I, I thought it helped with the vibe too. Mm-hmm. Again, I wanted to be like a fun, loose kind of, in a way, in a, in, a, in the best possible way, kind of a disposable game. Um, like like these characters are kind of disposable. Like don't overthink it. Don't treat it too preciously. Like have yeah. fun with it. It's a one shot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I thought this kind of like staple bound comic book style um, would help with that. Help set that tone. Like this is something you can roll up and put in your back pocket. It's something you can have sitting on top of your toilet, like or bedside <laughs> or whatever. Just like pick it up, read a couple pages, chuckle, put it away. Um, if nothing else, if anyone out there is like me, you read a lot more role playing games than you actually play. Um, so you know, just wanted to make it like a fun object to have, um, and I and I felt like that really leaned into it. So I worked with with Ben, who's the cover artist who. Mm-hmm. did the art himself. I've worked on stuff with him before. I knew like he does fun, goofy horror really well. So I knew he'd be mm-hmm. right for this. And then I worked with another friend of mine, Josh crack, mm-hmm. um, who helped with the, um, making it that with the, the, the word balloons and the, and the, the corner box and all that, the, the inspiration being sort of bronze age horror comics that had, thankfully for me, a lot of blurbs all over them. So you could dump all kinds of info on that cover and it mm-hmm. still feels natural. It still feels natural. Like it still feels like it belongs there. Um, because it doesn't, it's a flip book. I don't have a back that like describes the game. So I need that front to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that really just kind of leaned into it and it, it came out looking exactly like I wanted it to, um, which it's made always, me happy. Always good when that happens. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we've got people in the chat that are relating to, uh, the, just having lots of RPG books, mm-hmm. but not actually playing them. And as John's <laughs> saying here, uh, feeling guilty about having a big pile of RPGs that stares accusingly at you whenever you go to play D and D. Uh, but this show mm-hmm. is not D and D. So we're here to talk about <laughs> different games. And if you do want to try killer ratings, as I mentioned, uh, before, uh, you mm-hmm. can go and get a 25% off the game, uh, by following the link I've put in the chat, uh, which is Banalus Games dot itch dot io forward slash not dnd and if you're listening to the podcast the link will be in the show notes there but it's only available for two weeks so get it now if you're wanting a nice mm-hmm. discount give it a try um so this game we talked about the different ways you can play this um but there was a variant i really do want to talk about um mm-hmm. which is this um <laughs> which is uh targ margs Mm-hmm. I was delighted when I discovered this uh, when I was doing my research. Ken, could you please give the uh, the kind of elevated pitch and the summary of this kind of hack on the game? Sure, it would it would be my pleasure. I truly love Targmargs. Um, <laughs> Targmargs is about being drunk with your friends in a Target superstore. Um, yeah, no, that's it. You you get up to shenanigans and you try to evade security and just have a good wholesome uh, kind of hooligan time uh, in that scenario. Amazing. As somebody has asked, how much death is in Dark Marks? And, it's def- <laughs> and someone has commented, is it the normal amount? For, for like a trip to Target, the normal amount of death, yes. Um, I, and, and tell me, I, I don't know, do you have Targets in the UK? Are you familiar? Should I explain? Uh, no, uh, it's like a big, no, we do we do have some brands of it. It's like a big superstore, like it's yeah, like a big yeah. supermarket. We have, I think Target owns uh, a Walmart, owns like an Asda brand, but it's that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know one third groceries and then two thirds home goods and electronics mm-hmm. and all that implant, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, it's the true, true all in one. And this was, um, I like to say, based on a true story. This is a favorite <laughs> date, date night activity for for me and my wife. Um, I do the driving; she does the margaritas, and we just wander around Target for an hour, uh, and she gets very excited <laughs> because it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what is comparable where you are, but like it's a, it's a superstore. It's a they would not call themselves a discount store. It kind of is, but they keep it nice and clean and kind of fashionable. Yeah. And the stuff is generally good and the prices are good and the clothes are good. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to just kind of wander around aimlessly and and mm-hmm. and just say, Ooh, what about this? Ooh, look at that. Ooh, what about this? And just kind of be goofy for 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 an hour or two. And that's the basis. We really just um if you die a lot in killer ratings, this one, it's really just security might catch you and throw you out. And that's the end. Um, you know, it's like, it's like a step down in terms of like stakes, uh, very much yes. like PC 13, like a little gentler, a little more as this cover kind of gives like a little more whimsical, uh, in a way, like it's meant to be silly, um, and, and yes. over the top in that way. 
what sort of um characters do you do you get in 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 this game then so do you have someone that's the designated driver and someone who's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly not a bad idea no um now i uh, uh made this one kind of deliberately no gm so it's it, it okay. has the same basic mechanics as killer ratings but mm -hmm. Uh, my suggestion in it is to create a character is to just be yourself or for more fun, play someone else at the table. Um, if every, oh, if that's, that's yeah. such a good, um, I love yeah. that. Just, yeah. you know, like, you know, nicely, kindly fun, but you know, um, but yeah, to play someone else at the table and, and just kind of be yourselves. There's not really archetypes or classes or, or whatever. Um, you do still have that same basic breakdown between the stats I call Targ and Margs, which is the same deal. Targ is your ability to like be a normal shopper and Margs is your like, oh, let's uh, build a pillow fort in the middle of the aisle. Um, you know, <laughs> and and uh, unlike killer ratings, um, Targs will slowly decrease over time and Margs will slowly increase. And they actually have two different role charts. So depending on which one is your, your dominant trait, you'll use a different role chart that will kind of guide your behavior from department to department. Whether you kind of like get up to no good, whether you try to shoplift something, you know, just <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's, it's very much just about the place. Um, and the people are just like, just be yourself or be your friend. Uh, you know, I absolutely <laughs> love the idea of just play someone else mm -hmm. at the table uh, mm -hmm. especially if you're sitting around the table with a few uh margaritas as well mm -hmm. um and i think uh i think when ken said pg-13 they were not implying 13 year olds visit target <laughs> drunk no i believe the drinking age in the usa is 21 but in the uk it's 18. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh yes so uh so we have some people saying oh, i want to play this now uh, so how can i get a copy of this is this do you have do you need to buy this separately is is on the the, the no. same so, before. Yeah, it's it's included in. So I did the Indiegogo and the and the one stretch mm -hmm. goal I did because I really just wanted to focus on the main game was unlocking Targmargs. Mm -hmm. So it's included in the PDF. Or if you get the print copy, uh, it's a flip book. Um, <gasps> so it's included in the same thing there. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's in there, and there's even a lovely spread of people getting up to Targmarg shenanigans to help you get an idea. <laughs> it's almost done like a board game style with kind of the, the the map going around and you can kind of see there's there's our never ending story riding the target dog with the margarita. Mm -hmm. There's the shopping cart demolition derby. I very much like the guy who's climbing the top of like a Starbucks cup dome with like a flag made out of a target receipt. Yeah. Um, stuff. It's just, you know, it's silly. Um, but no, it's, it's all, it's all the same price. It's included in killer ratings. Uh, it's really just kind of which one are you feeling tonight? Um, and you know, which one is the right mood? Uh, it's very much. Um, yeah. Like it's kind of like, it's a, it, it's for people who've never played these kind of games before, but it's also our regular game group is meeting one person can't mm -hmm. make it tonight, or we just want to do something different tonight pick up one of these and go. Amazing. So it's what I'm hearing you say is not only have you given us 25% off voucher, we've also got two games for one. And just a reminder, if you want that 25% off, it's bannerlessgames.itch.io forward slash not D&D. And that's available mm -hmm. for the next two weeks. So whether you're more ghosts or you're more margaritas, there's something there <laughs> for everyone to enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, we are coming up to near uh, the end of the hour now. Um, so if anybody has any questions for Ken, now is your time to ask them otherwise you'll have to go on the internet on social media to at bannerless games and uh, contact him there uh, but if you have any questions for now you know while well, we're all here um but ken is there anything um else you want to share about the games that any questions that you'd like to answer that i haven't asked you or uh no i, I think we well covered it I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out it's very um pretty happy i'm very happy with how it turned out yeah uh, it has been a long trek to get to this point even though it is on the surface a very simple thing this is a lot of time thinking effort like a lot of working with friends a lot of writing rewriting figuring out how to lay mm -hmm. stuff out like it was so much got to this point um i don't know if you're like me and you're waiting for someone to say get started here you go get started mm -hmm. um someone's asked if they're in the uk can they get the print edition does it do international shipping or is it just us shipping uh it's us right now but honestly mm -hmm. uh i can work with my i've got a fulfillment person sarah McHenry, who helps me ship things out uh, i don't see why not i just need to take a look at, at shipping um that's you've probably felt this in other it, kickstarters and, and print editions shipping international right now is tough yes. um i just it, it's it kind of came down to guilt honestly i don't want to charge you twice the cover price to get it to you mm -hmm. um but I'll, I'll see what i can figure out in that um i'll be looking at that in the next week or so 
Okay, great. But definitely the PDF version is available yes. on that link. So wherever you are in the world, you can get that. Um, but yeah, if you are somewhere outside the US and you would like a physical copy, it uh, sounds like if you just uh, contact Ken there via the link mm -hmm. and he'll take a look and see. Uh, but yeah, yeah international shipping is wild at the moment. Uh, I do all the kind of logistics and operation stuff at EM Publishing. Uh, so yeah. very relatable content yeah, there. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> and someone's just suggested to stand on the East Coast and just chuck it really hard. Uh, yeah, it'll eventually... Like skip off the ocean, like a rock. I think that would work. Yeah, yeah exactly. It'll hit the UK <laughs> yeah. or Europe or somewhere. I'm sure it'll be absolutely, uh, absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, uh, so it seems like you have an international audience for the game now. Um, so... Having talked about the game there, uh, we talked about your games. Uh, the question I always ask people near the end is, what are your favorite RPGs that is not a game that you've made and is not Dungeons & Dragons? Sure. Um, the two I'm kind of like obsessed with, and that really helped me get back into the hobby like in a, in a very intentional way in the past couple of years are Blaze in the Dark and Vorkborg. Mm -hmm. um, those are not just the games themselves, um, which design-wise and kind of like what they focus on, they, they care a lot of the, about the same things I do in role-playing game. Um, but they're also, um, the communities are really friendly and accessible and helpful. The first big, big thing I ever published was an adventure for Morkborg, and that Discord was so encouraging and so friendly, mm -hmm. uh, which is funny because it's such a bleak, dark, whatever kind of game. <laughs> yeah. um, but they are like truly just the nicest people um, um, from the top down, honestly. They're very open. You know, they've got a working doc that has all their fonts, all their colors, where they get all their art. Like they make it, they want people to join them mm -hmm. in making things. Um, so in terms of, I like the game, I like to design all that, but everything that drives it, I also really, really like. Um, and then the one I'm, I'm like about to pick up and wanting to look at is is uh, High Magic Low Lives by uh, Gem Room Games. So I, I, I know those folks over there um, and like the things they've talked about, not at me, just seeing them talk about the game and some of the design decisions they made has made me go, ooh, I need to check that out. So you asking that question was my reminder is at the top of my wish list to just like, let's pull the trigger on that already uh, and, and find that out. Some great recommendations there. We've also had a great recommendation in the chat to combine the two games. So they suggested do a marathon session of this game first, where you do that you have the ghost, and then the ghost yeah. group does a task marks run before the last episode of filming. Yeah, so you could go, so you could, yeah, combine them. Uh, I'm sure that would work. It's the same basic mechanics. Uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure that would be fine. Um, on that note, I think uh, it might be time to end the stream because the questions are, are going into that place. Um, so I, I just want to say to everybody watching, thank you so much uh, for coming and watching another episode of Not D&D. We live stream every Monday at 10 p.m. BST. Uh, and if you miss out, you can catch up at enliverpg.com. And we also have our podcast as well. Uh, if you look at Not D&D, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find it there. Uh, I want to say thank you, Ken, so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing uh, your game with us, talking about it. And for the 25% discount, uh, again, the, the links are in the show notes, so you can check that out. Uh, next week, we have another guest. Uh, we have, we're have we talking about Broken Tales with Tommaso De Benetti. Uh, so talking about another indie RPG there. Um, so, yeah, so thank you so much for coming along to listen. And, Ken, thank you so much for your time and coming on to speak to us today. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. On that note, I will say goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye.